0: finance
1: smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is
0: a lot easier than you might think. And you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host because your home. Might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for HealthAid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health HealthAid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health
1: Aid Kombucha your go to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing paying off your student loans with MoneyPro Megan Landris. So I hate to start this off on a sour note, man. If it's a sour note, the only sour note I want to hear is a sour beer <laughs> note, okay? I love sour beers, but I don't want sour news. Yeah,
0: IPAs today, no, no sour beers, but dude, unfortunately, I just found out that we are going to be going to the beach with some family on the same week that we normally go to the beach with you guys. Way to break my heart. Yeah, huge bummer, right? We our families have gone on vacation together. We've split the vacation rental, the beach house. And that's where last year we recorded with our wives was at the beach, which was a ton of fun. And this year we're going to have to intentionally schedule some time where we can uh, get them back on
1: and record. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to uh, cry some tears into this beer that we're drinking tonight, man. <laughs> that's a bummer, but uh, that's okay. You know what? Have fun at the beach with your family. <laughs> uh, I will just be back here podcasting alone or something like that. I don't what know. What we should do though this summer is take some day trips up to some state parks, get get up in the forest and do some hiking with the kiddos. Totally like, down with that. Yeah, I'd be... I'd be all about that. Okay, speaking of kiddos, Matt, we just got an email today, both you and I. Oh, some good news, right? <laughs> some good news. Some good news that our, our girls, our four-year-olds, uh, were accepted into pre-K. And so fortunately, our state has, uh, we have a state-funded pre-K and that just massively cuts down on the cost of, of our girls you know, having a, a little time at school during the week right now you know we pay for pay for them to go to kind of a mother's day out sort of thing a few days a week and uh, so so i'm so excited they're going to be going to pre-k together
0: yeah man that's that's going to be a huge savings for us and it's on the way to where our older daughters go to school so i don't know how we're going to rock that carpool think you can fit all four on your bike in the mornings
1: Ooh, <laughs> that's gonna be tough we'll yeah. see even with three right now, like I try to get three on there and man, that bike gets so top heavy. I might have to uh, like fabricate a, an extended cargo bike, like learn how to weld just to create this extended cargo bike that I can put all the kids on the back of. What do you think? Or we
0: can make our kids start riding their own bikes. We talked recently about getting the kids on their own bikes and they're starting to ride now and it's
1: it's not that far away. So who knows? That's true. Yep. All right, Matt, today on the show, we're having money pro Megan on, and I'm really excited about this because she's right here with us (laughs) hey megan hey all right so uh i'm really excited to have you on today because student loans are a huge problem in our country and by the way let me set this up for listeners we're interviewing megan she's actually live in person with us for this recording normally with the money pro segment we do something a little different we have our friends record five minutes of wisdom and then we kind of break it down but matt we thought that for today's episode with megan that we should have her because one, she's local here in Atlanta with us. And two, she's like the smartest person on student loans, probably this side of the Mississippi. Yeah. And, and so we we're like, let's have her in person because there, there are so many nitty gritty things on student loans. We just want to make sure people get their questions answered properly.
0: Yeah, Joel, that's right. We met Megan too at our one of our first listener meetups at a brewery. So it's, it's awesome that she's here sharing a beer with us. And one of the cool things about Megan is that she's the first CSLP in the state of Georgia. And there's honestly not that many across the entire country, right? Right. So tell us what CSLP stands for.
2: It's Certified Student Loan Professional. Basically, that means I have the education around the federal loan system and private student loans to be able to recommend a proper repayment strategy for any borrower.
1: Yeah. So that's super cool. And I remember when we met Megan, we were having beers and just your passion, Megan, for helping people in student loan debt was contagious. It was awesome because... It is obviously a problem that is massive in our country right now. We're going to answer a lot of listener questions in this episode and in next week's episode. We're going to do two episodes with Megan. Yeah. Because that's how big of a problem student loans are in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, do you want to give us some quick stats on just how bad student loans are and kind of what it's doing to the average American?
2: Yeah. I mean, as of right now, there's about 45 million Americans who have about 1.5 million I think it was 1.52 last time I checked, trillion dollars of outstanding student loan debt. That's a
1: huge number. (laughs) That's almost as big as Matt's savings account. (laughs) (laughs) Almost.
2: Almost. Uh, But that equates to the average payment for someone to be around $393 a month going towards student loan debt. So with that said, I think why I'm so crazy about it right now or why I'm so obsessed with student loan repayment planning is because I started my career at a private personal financial planning firm. And one of the biggest factors I found with the young individuals we were working with, uh, or just adults in general, with student loan debt was that that was a huge concern for them. And it was pushing back a lot of their other financial goals because they had, like I said, the average payment people have right now is about almost $400 a month. It set them backwards to where they weren't able to save as much as they wanted to towards a down payment on a home or they pushed back marriage because they knew it would maybe start considering joint income for their <laughs> student loan payment. Wow. So it affects a lot of things that maybe people don't, who don't have student loans don't understand. And so I found that just bringing clarity to to people's debt situation in a way that maybe they haven't had clarity before, gave them a lot of peace of mind and confidence to move forward with their, their personal financial planning.
1: Yeah, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, essentially saying that probably half a million millennials have delayed buying a home, have delayed starting a family because mainly due to, to student loan debt and being overburdened. And it's just it's this generation's curse and, and that a previous generation just didn't have to deal with in nearly the same way. And the crazy thing is it's now impacting you know, adults too, as college age kids are capped at how much they can borrow, their parents are now taking out student loans. And so mm-hmm. people going into retirement are saddled with massive amounts of student loans that they took out to help their kids get through college. And so it's, it's, it's really and truly something that, that affects such a huge swath of our country that, I mean, I'm super concerned about it. And also why I'm so glad you're here is because the nitty gritty details when it comes to what federal repayment plan you choose to go under, it's so difficult to decipher which one you should be in. And so I th- I'm really glad that we're gonna be able to kind of go through that step by step and help people kind of make a, a better decision about how to tackle their student loans. And we're also very thankful that you showed up with some beer.
0: Woo. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we're fans of that. And so, yeah, you showed up with some Slow Pour Brewing Company Nostalgia IPA that we're going to be uh, sharing tonight. Yeah. And this is a beer that is from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Why did you pick this up?
2: Lawrenceville is the town that my whole family is from. So thought I'd bring you something from home.
0: Okay. Some hometown <laughs>
1: beers and good stuff. We're excited to have this on the show today. All right. So you're going to get three beer reviews at the end of the show rather <laughs> <Whoa>. than two. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. All right. So in just a second, we're going to get into the forgiveness plans and how you should choose the best route for you when it comes to paying off student loans. But before we get there, Megan, real quick, let's tackle just a couple broad things on student loans. The first question that was asked in our Facebook group was, should people even take out student loans? And uh, it was kind of met with a little bit of, I feel like ho- hooting and hollering <laughs> about how that was kind of a silly question because it feels like it's a necessary evil. What do, what do you think though, just to, as to that question, should people be taking out student loans at all?
2: I definitely think student loans are a necessary evil in the sense that a lot of positions do require a degree, uh, especially in the medical field. With that said, though, you don't have to take out loans to finance your lifestyle in college. I think that's a big misstep that some students may have, that they feel that they, they have to take out as much as they're approved for. And so they do. And they live off of some of that money. And on the flip side, maybe reverse our thinking here. You could have a part-time job or, you know, even a full-time job in college to support your uh, room and board or your housing to help supplement your tuition. Um, So there are ways to reduce the cost of going to college, but I I do think it is a necessary evil in in some sense.
0: So Megan, on that note, I've heard as a tip that oftentimes students, they shouldn't take out more student loans than what their projected annual salary would be once they graduate. Do you feel like that's applicable or yeah, what are your thoughts on that?
2: That's a that's a good rule of thumb. I would suggest that's not applicable to folks in the medical field, though, because, you know, they have residency, mm. they, they graduate making a very low salary compared to what their income potential is after, you know, they graduate from residency. So not necessarily completely accurate, but maybe a good rule of thumb if you're going into just the corporate world or another profession other than medical.
0: Yeah, I guess your trajectory of like what your income
1: might be certainly would have an effect on that.
2: Yes, your income trajectory is definitely a consideration you should take into there.
1: All right, so we're going to get more into income trajectories and how your current student loan debt level affects the choices you make when it comes to student loan payment plans. And we're going to get into those specifics right after the break.
0: Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of, but it can really come up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, thirty-seven thousand,
1: twenty-five, 25 and one. That's right. Yeah. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. Twenty-five. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right.
0: And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on, I keep the tires pumped, I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to
1: ensure that Kate and the kids, that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust
0: and Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get ten percent off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash how to money. That's ten percent off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash how to money.
1: And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated
0: investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the
1: automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Now
0: is a great time to specifically talk about what we're going to talk about this week. Joel mentioned how we're going to talk some more next week about private loan refinancing. And so this week, what we're going to focus on is loan forgiveness plans. And before we even launch into the different loan forgiveness programs, can you outline, Megan, like the difference between federal loans and private loans?
2: Yeah. So federal loans are through the federal government. They are generally flexible. I suspected that. (laughs) (laughs) They are generally more flexible than what you can find on the private side. And they have a lot of differences. For example, how they charge interest, uh, how interest accumulates The different types of repayment plans that you have available to you through the the federal system are, are very different than what you find on the private side. Private debt could be equated to a credit card. It could be equated to an auto loan. A private student loan does not have a lot of the perks and benefits that a federal loan would on the repayment side of things.
0: Got it. So, I mean, in general, it sounds like federal loans are kind of
1: like the way to go. Better. Yes, (laughs) definitely better. (laughs) And there are some situations, however, where private student loans might be a better match for folks. Mm -hmm. And we'll kind of get into that more next week. So, Megan, most of our listeners, most people out there are going to have federal student loans as opposed to private student loans. And what are the first things they should be thinking about as they're considering their future with these loans and how they should be attacking them?
2: First and foremost, you really do need to identify your goals with your debt reduction plan on your student loans. Are you really wanting these to be paid and out of the mix as soon as possible? Or are you looking for just a cost effective strategy that's going to allow you to save and do other things with your cash flow? So that's the first question you need to ask yourself. Second question you need to ask yourself is what your income trajectory looks like. That makes a big deal when we're talking about your long-term repayment strategy, because a lot of the federal repayment programs are income-based. So if we know you're going to have huge jumps in your your income in the future, we need to be considering that. Uh, If it's going to be slow and steady, that's something we want to take a look at as well. So I would say those are the first two questions you really need to think about and start considering before you get started with your overall repayment strategy.
0: Why is your annual salary the dividing line? Like, Why is that the threshold of if you have a student loan balance that is higher than what you make annually? Why do you want to consider forgiveness at that point instead of just paying down your student loan balance?
2: So when your balance is higher than your annual income, nominally speaking, if we're going to be taking into consideration your annual income to calculate your monthly payment, It makes sense to take advantage of the forgiveness programs, even if you're in private sector, because that nominal cost over time would be less than how much you would you would essentially spend to accelerate those payments to pay off the balance.
1: All right, Megan. So yeah, if you're a public sector employee, the public student loan forgiveness is just is obviously the best plan for you, right? It's 10 years of on time payments, right? You have to jump through all the hoops, you have to make Mm -hmm. sure that the employer that you work for qualifies. And so you're going to want to make sure you do that so that you definitely qualify because there have been a few people, as we've seen in the news, that they thought they were making on time payments, but it turns out they didn't jump through the right hoops up front or the employer that they work for wasn't qualified. And they were upset at the end of 10 years of payments and and their student loans aren't forgiven. But if you do qualify, that's by far the best thing if you work in the public space. But I feel like there's a lot of ambiguity and there are a lot of people that are just completely confused by the way public student loan forgiveness works. So can you kind of demystify it for us and like maybe give us a few tactile things to hold on to for how to approach it if, if someone does work in the public sector?
2: Yes, definitely. I agree. It does need to be on the front end that you're verifying all of these things and making sure you fully understand your loan situation. Not after the fact, not after 10 years of payments, because that's too late. (laughs) It's not retroactive. The main things you need to be looking at to make sure you qualify for public service loan forgiveness is one, you have to work for the right type of employer. It needs to be a 501c3. Generally, any government agency or entity qualifies, but there is a form for this that you can submit to absolutely make sure that your employer qualifies. You just fill it out, send it in, and they let you know or nay. So if your employer does qualify, you need to be working for this employer full-time by definition, full-time is 30 hours a week. Or if your employer has a different definition for full-time, like if it's 35 or 40, it has to apply to your employer's definition of full-time.
1: So when it comes to payments, on-time payments are obviously really important. What happens to someone if they do fall behind or if they miss a payment? How does that work in regards to in, in regards to this loan forgiveness?
2: Yes. On-time payments on your qualifying loan's is extremely important. If you miss a payment, for example, or if you're late, all that means is that payment just doesn't count towards that 120 payment requirement. So if you missed last month, that's one month that you missed and it's not going to qualify.
1: It doesn't completely derail things and take you off the track and you could never, ever have your student loans forgiven. Nothing like that, right?
2: No, but you do have an annual requirement to verify your income. So each and every year, since To be on PSLF, you do have to be on an income-based repayment plan, which means you have to verify your income each and every year. So it's one form. They let you know when you need to fill it out and submit it, but it verifies your income to then update your payment if needed. That has to be done on an annual basis. So for public service loan forgiveness, you absolutely have to make sure your loans qualify for this program as well. Direct loans only qualify. For public service loan forgiveness, if you have Stafford loans or FFEL loans or anything that doesn't have direct in front of it, those are not qualifying. So you could be paying on your loans uh, over the course of that ten-year period, and any loan that did not, that was not a direct loan, those balances would not be forgiven. So you'd still be responsible for those payments after that period. So that's another thing you need to consider.
0: So Megan, I'm not sure if you saw some of the questions that we had posted. In our Facebook group, uh, but specific to PSLF, which honestly sounds more like a personality type. It's got the four letters all together. makes me think (laughs) that uh, a sensory introvert or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) But there in the group, Dina asked, she said, I have made 10 years of payments toward public service forgiveness only to find out that only certain types of loan structures qualify after all. But I heard it said that over 90% of applications for forgiveness are rejected. I'd be curious to get the real scoop on this. I only owe a couple of grand, however, and I figured the remainder would be paid off. So in her case, it doesn't sound like she's that upset, but she's just trying to figure out like, what's the real deal? You know, like are that many applications for PSLF? Are they really getting rejected at that rate?
2: There are a lot of applications getting rejected for a portion of the balance. For example, in her case, she had some of her loans forgiven and some not because she had loans that didn't qualify. So it goes back to all of the different things you need to consider when you're making sure you qualify for PSLF. Due diligence is key here. This is where details matter and the technicalities matter. So again, you know, the five things you need to make sure you have assessed and you know about your situation and your loans. One, only direct loans qualify. If you don't have direct loans, you are able to consolidate into a direct consolidation loan. Uh, That is an option. Second, make sure your employer qualifies. Third, make sure you're working full time for this employer. Fourth, make sure you're on an income-based repayment plan. And then fifth, you just have to make those on-time 120 payments for that 10-year program. So lots of qualifying to do there, but it's definitely worth the time to make sure that you check all those boxes.
1: All right, let's get to a question from Tim from our Facebook group as well before we get to kind of how it works for people in the private sector. So Tim said, is it wise to pay more than the minimum towards your student loan if you're enrolled in the public service loan forgiveness program?
2: I say no. And I think I responded to this right before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> o- only if, if you are projected to have a forgiven balance at the end of that 10-year period, no. Do not accelerate. That's money you can prioritize in other areas of your financial picture because it's going to be forgiven and you're not taxed on that.
1: There's no need to pay more than you have to. Exactly. Yes. Essentially, you want to
0: maximize that forgiveness, right? Absolutely. Like, say, right. <laughs> maybe he was wanting to pay extra because maybe he knew deep down that he wasn't going to get forgiven. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. I'm well, Tim, up.
2: make sure you go back and make <laughs> sure everything else qualifies there.
0: <laughs> cool. All right. So, Megan, what steps does someone actually take? Like, if they know that it sounds like, hey, man, I think I really could qualify for this forgiveness program. Like, where do they go to actually apply?
2: Yep. So you would go to studentaid.edu.gov. There are forms you can download from there to verify your employer and then make sure that there is another form for applying for the IDR or the income based plan. So you'd have to go to that website, download those forms, send them in. Your servicer is probably already asking for them, anyways.
1: Sweet. I feel like that was a lot of good information for people working in the public sector. But many of you, we realize, are working in the private sector, and the rules are vastly different for you. And so we will get to all the specifics on that right after this break.
0: So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned.
1: Almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, Life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind, too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah, and even if you already have a life insurance policy
0: through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer
1: same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
0: Hey, folks, it's Matt. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Healthy Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you.
1: Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. Dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10% off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money
0: okay now let's go ahead and talk about private sector repayment plans and before we even get to some of the fancier ones like the different acronyms <laughs> there is the standard plan and that's the default plan that most students are, are going to be paying on is that right
2: So standard was uh, the automatic repayment plan chosen. Uh, Repay is now generally the automatic plan people are put on because it most of the time generates the lowest monthly payment. Standard is what you would be thrown on if you forgot to verify your income, for example, or you went into default and now you're back into repayment mode. So standard is a 10-year program. It's not based on income. It's basically your debt amortized over that 10-year period.
1: So Megan, what kind of person should choose a standard repayment plan if they're a private sector worker, as opposed to one of the payment plans that's income based that uh, can result in forgiveness at the end?
2: Yeah, someone who should consider the standard repayment plan would be someone who definitely has a balance that's, that's manageable, that is maybe around their annual income or below their annual income. And you can crunch the numbers. If you go to studentaid.edu.gov, they can crunch the numbers to show you how much your standard repayment plan payment would be. And if you're able to stomach that payment for the next 10 years, because it's not going to change on you, once it's set, it like I said, it amortizes your whole balance. So you pay the principal and interest over that 10-year period. If you're able to stomach and commit to that payment over, 10, over that 10-year time frame, hop on it. Do it. If you're not and your income stability uh, or your job stability is at question or you just feel like that's a a really big payment you're not sure you want to commit to for the long haul, income-based may be the better option for you.
1: What about someone who commits to paying on the standard plan but then realizes a year or two in that actually, wow, it's tougher. It just doesn't quite fit into my budget like I thought it was going to over the long haul. What happens if you're a little ways into that standard plan and you feel like it's just backbreaking?
2: Yeah. So you definitely have options. You are able to switch repayment plans. You could switch back to an income-based plan to make the payment more manageable. Just know that that's going to affect your timeline. It's not going to be on that 10-year timeframe anymore.
0: So listener Samantha, she asked in the Facebook group, is it better to do a graduated repayment plan or just do the flat payment the entire time? I currently do a graduated plan for my federal student loan, but I have the option to do a flat payment too.
2: So this really comes down to what you think you're going to be able to manage in the future. If you are doing the graduated plan, it's essentially like the standard plan, meaning they amortize your balance over that 10-year time frame, unless your balance is, is larger than it could spread out to 15 or 20 years for that. But keep in mind, the graduated repayment plan, that's going to increase on you every two years. So your payment's going to start out very low, you just have to keep in mind that those jumps are going to happen over the course of your repayment plan, and you need to be prepared for that.
1: So, that's the standard plan for private sector workers. And that means that you're going to be paying off your student loan over 10 years. That usually, like Megan said, works best for people who feel like they can comfortably afford to pay that balance off, right? After they see that projected amount uh, that they're going to pay every month. And at the same time, you can actually pay more towards that balance if you want. So, you can pay off in less than 10 years. So that's a good benefit of that. But Megan, let's talk about people are kind of enamored, I think, too, with the, the idea of forgiveness of student loans. And private sector employees also have the ability to sign up for an income-based repayment plan. And there are a few different offerings that uh, offer forgiveness at the end of a 20 or 25-year cycle. But yeah, quickly, can you tell us just a little bit about the different income-based repayment plans for private sector employees that end in forgiveness?
2: Yeah, so there are four income-based repayment plans that you have to choose from. From generally, first being ICR or income contingent repayment plan. That's one of the oldest ones on the block. So um, that's
0: like the original, original.
2: The OG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's based off of twenty percent of your income. Uh, that's usually not the best solution because it's the highest percentage of income your your payments based off of. But the three primary ones that you guys are probably already know about or you're already on. First, uh, the old IBR, or income-based repayment plan, that is based off of 15% of your income. For old IBR, the maximum repayment period for forgiveness in the private sector is 20 years. IBR is income-based repayment. That is based off of 15% of your income, or your adjusted gross income, and this is a 25-year maximum repayment period. So if you're in private sector going for forgiveness, you have to make payments for 25 years. And then whatever's left after that point is forgiven. Pay or P-A-Y-E, this is a repayment program that's maximum repayment term is 20 years. And your payment is based off of 10% of your adjusted gross income. Uh, You do have to have a partial financial hardship for this. Uh, That just means that your calculated payment for pay needs to be lower than what it would be if it was calculated under the standard 10-year program we talked about earlier. If your balance is very large, that's easily attainable. And then the last one is Repay, R-E-P-A-Y-E. This is a 20-year program for undergraduate loans or 25 if you have grad loans for maximum forgiveness. This is based off of, again, 10% of your adjusted gross income.
1: Yeah, Matt, this reminds me actually of our tax episode. And we talked about maximizing those above the line deductions. And anytime you can do that, anytime you can contribute more to your 401k, not only are you saving more for your future, you're lowering your taxable income, but you're also kind of helping out that potential student loan forgiveness that you'll receive at the end of all those on-time payments, right? Yeah, what an awesome way to uh, qualify for some of these forgiveness or repayment programs, right? You lower your gross income, like what you are actually paying taxes on, and you get to qualify for uh, something sweet. Megan, I've got a question for you though. When it comes to the forgiveness at the end of this, right? That's a long period of time for people to be paying their loans regularly and on time, and and obviously it's it's just a bummer, right, to have student loans that you have to pay for that long. Thinking, you know, I graduated from college and now. I am in my mid 40s and I have multiple kids and a house and blah, blah, blah. And my student loans are still with me. Like, (laughs) I I hate that that's the case for most people. When it comes to forgiveness, do people bank on forgiveness too much? Do they think too highly of it? And ultimately, in reality, should people be banking on the fact that they're going to have under one of these income based plans? Are they banking on the fact that they're going to be forgiven a huge amount when in actuality, that's probably not the case?
2: Again, this, this comes back to the balance rule of thumb question. If your balance is a lot higher than your annual income, um, I see folks with six figures of student loan debt, um, sometimes in the 300000 400000 range. These folks, their safe haven is going to be these forgiveness programs. It's going to be like a mortgage for you. If you were going to amortize that $400,000 balance into a payment, it's going to be a mortgage payment for you essentially if you did it that way. If you're banking on the income-based plans, you're able to keep your loans current, stay on the on the on the right track by making those qualifying payments. The nominal cost over that time frame, yes, 20 or 25 years is a long time, but it's nominally going to cost a lot less because that forgiven debt balance at the end of that term, you're only paying a fraction of the actual amount that's outstanding because it's based off of income at that point. So your overall balance is is gonna be the biggest factor on if you're gonna come out ahead and if you should seriously consider these forgiveness programs for the 20 or 25 year period.
0: Nice, so in regards to the forgiveness, Nick in our Facebook group asked, can you talk about the tax conundrum that may come when loans are forgiven? So that's something a lot of folks aren't aware of, the fact that the amount that you're forgiven, you've gotta pay taxes on that, is that right?
2: Yeah. So when you work in the private sector, that forgiven balance at the end of that term, it is a taxable event to you as of the current tax code. So you do need to be making your regular income based payments over that time frame, as well as saving for that tax liability down the road. But don't freak out yet. Overall, if you're taking advantage of the forgiveness program with a very large balance, it does make sense. And the math works out to where you're paying less over that time frame than you would if you were to accelerate that debt and pay it off as if it was a regular private debt.
0: And then Megan, you mentioned grad loans a second ago when you're talking about the repay program. Uh, Jordan and Lucas both had a similar question in the Facebook group. They said, I am thinking about paying for graduate school tuition through loans. Is there a different process or how does that work?
2: There's not a different process per se, but there are different considerations. So when you're taking out loans for graduate school, it does extend your time frame depending on your income-based program. So I keep saying this 20 or 25 year time frame. Uh, that 25 year time frame comes into play when you have graduate loans. Unfortunately.
1: All right, Megan. So uh, actually, the hottest question in our in our Facebook group about student loans this week was from D Drain, and she said, "Should I be paying off student loans or buying a house first? And I feel like the answers were across the board and everyone feels so differently about that, mostly because houses can be such an emotional purchase. So do you have any kind of thoughts on that, any wisdom to share for folks as they're kind of thinking through life decisions, big life decisions, while they're at the same time paying down their student loans?
2: So this question really comes down to your overall financial plan for yourself. What are the priorities in the mix here? One thing to consider when you have student loan debt in the mix if it's a large balance, it's probably going to be around for a while, let's be honest. And if you're on an income-based plan, you have a lot of flexibility there. So let's say buying a home or purchasing a home in the future is a huge goal of yours. I'm not going to say that it's a bad idea to go ahead and, and bite the bullet there and jump in on a, on a home you love if you still have student loan debt in the mix. i I think that's fine as long as you have a plan for both. If you know that you have your, your student loans taken care of on a repayment plan that makes sense for you, that fits within your cash flow, and it's achieving what your goals are, it is really all about balance though. One thing to consider though with your student loans, if they're federal, federal student loans have a lot of protections around them as well. So let's say you do have a mortgage down the line. Uh, you have a lot of financial obligations. You lose your job. Your federal student loans are going to be a lot more lenient on you. You have the option to go into forbearance. You can defer your payment. You have a lot of options there that you don't have on the private side, for example. You can't put off all of your life decisions because of the student loan debt you have in the mix. I would suggest putting together a plan that makes sense for you and that you feel comfortable with. You have a plan that works for you and you're able to sleep well at night with that.
0: Awesome. And that kind of leads to another question here from Ashley and she gave an example specific to tax refund season. She mentioned, should a family put that maybe towards their Nest egg or I would say invest it, you know, something along those lines, or should we put it down on student loan? I mean, essentially her question is like we've got debt <laughs> or we can take this money and we can invest it. Yeah, so you know, is there a certain percentage? Is there an interest rate that you're looking at where if there is above a certain number that you would recommend for folks to pay it down maybe faster? Or if it's below a certain number that, uh, that they should, you know, maybe consider some of the other goals that they have?
2: First and foremost, again, if you're going towards forgiveness, don't accelerate your payments. There's no need to. But if you are working on paying down your debt balance in the most efficient and fastest way possible, an interest rate to look at. If you have loans at, let's say, that the gray area, I think, is 6% to maybe 8%. If you have a, a percentage in that range, if what's keeping you at, up at night is the debt, tackle the debt or take a hybrid approach. Put half of that tax refund towards the, the student loan debt or the debt in the mix and take half and invest it or throw it into savings. I think if the interest rate is 5 to 6% or below there are some other goals that you can probably prioritize over that lower interest charging debt. If it's above, especially above 10%, if, if you've got credit card debt in the mix, showstopper. Take care of that. That's That's probably a very high interest debt that you need to get out of the mix as soon as possible because it's going to be very expensive for you in the long run.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned six to eight percent right because like, what does that reflect that reflects the average returns that you can get in the stock market that's what makes it so difficult and why instead you have to fall back onto what you said like emotionally what is having the most impact on you personally
1: because in that case like that's going to be the most effective thing to pay down yes yeah so my wife and i we went to school at a time when student loan rates were, were pretty low And so we're paying my wife's student loans off as slowly as possible because the interest rate is actually below 2%. And I know that's not (laughs) standard now, right? So most people taking out student loans are gonna be in the upper 6% range. And so uh, if you are close to that 7% mark, I think when it comes to your interest rate, it's a really tough decision. I think at that point, it depends probably on the payoff plan that you're on, right? And, And how far along in that repayment plan that you are. And at the same time, your personal money priorities. But if you are incredibly debt averse, then yeah, I think a tax refund is a great time to just drop a lump sum on your debt payment and and just see that balance drop dramatically in one fell swoop. I think that's a great, great way to go.
0: One caveat though, you mentioned 401k. If you have an employer that offers a match with your 401k, make sure that you are doing that up into the match. Absolutely.
2: Um, that's free money there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So we've
1: talked about that before, but I just wanted to throw that yeah. in there. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer. Megan was kind enough to bring Slow Pour Brewing Company Nostalgia IPA for us to drink on the show today. What was your take on this beer, man? Well, if, if it's a nostalgic beer, it takes me back to when I didn't like IPAs. How about that? <laughs> oh,
0: those were dark times. I know. Because hey, if I had to say 10 years ago, did I like IPAs? Like not really, because there weren't that many that were out there and the ones that were were fairly bitter. So, you know, I really enjoyed this one. Had that nice golden amber kind of color to it. It's pretty classic, but drink
1: really well. I remember the times, too, when I didn't like IPAs. It was actually my wife that got me started into digging IPAs. And so, you know what? I'm just going to give her a shout out. Thanks, Sam, for (laughs) helping me get into IPAs. And Megan, let's get your thoughts on this beer. What do you think? Does it hold up to the memories you have of it?
2: I think so. I mean, Lawrenceville is a very historic town. So I feel like this is a very classic IPA, if IPAs can be classic. I don't know if that's a thing.
1: They certainly can. (laughs) And I think this one fits that
0: bill. So, yeah, thanks for bringing it. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. All right, guys, let's go ahead now and do our final thoughts. If you're listening to this, you're probably wondering, what plan should I take when it comes to repaying my student loans? The first option, say you're a public school teacher, or you're working for a government agency, or you're in a 501c3, a nonprofit, you want to consider the PSLF. This gets you
1: loan forgiveness after 10 years and is definitely going to be your best bet, even though you've got to jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah. Another rule of thumb to consider is that if your monthly payment just feels overwhelming, if you don't feel like you can handle your regular expenses along with a massive student loan bill, you're going to want to consider one of those income-based repayment plans that we talked about. That is going to have two effects. It's going to, in all likelihood, based on your income, lower the amount of your student loan payment every month. And at the same time, you qualify for forgiveness after between 20 and 25 years, depending on the type of loans you have and the repayment plan that you choose.
2: Yeah. in talking about forgiveness, the last thing you should consider is if your balance is overwhelming in the sense it's greater than your income or much, much greater than your income. Going for those forgiveness programs are going to be your safe haven. It is going to be the most efficient way to tackle your student loan debt.
1: All right. That's going to be it for today's show. Megan, thank you for coming on and kind of demystifying student loans for everyone.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, and we will talk to you next week when we talk about private student loans and kind of who those make sense for.
2: Looking forward to it.
1: Should be good. I can't imagine having done this without her here. Like some of this is just so dense. It's going to be
0: incredibly helpful for us to, yeah, spend another episode talking about it, but also having some more info up on our website.
1: Yeah, speaking of dense, it might be uh, easier for you to see some of this stuff now that we've talked about it uh, laid out visually. And so we will have a helpful chart for you on our website, howtomoney.com. So you can kind of see the different repayment options. And hopefully that visual and those terms and definitions can kind of help you make a wise decision so that you have the most efficient student loan repayment option for your situation.
0: And if you found this podcast interesting and helpful, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Hit us up on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your
1: podcast. Please leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. All right, buddy. Until next week, best friends out. Best friends out.
2: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you.
1: Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com.
0: Designed for work.